Good morning, Christ Community. My name is Chris Blackman. I'm one of the pastoral interns here, and I'm very happy to be bringing you God's Word today. If you have your Bible, please open up to the book of Proverbs, chapter 9, and we're going to be looking at verses 13 through 18. Proverbs, chapter 9, verses 13 through 18. And here is the word of the Lord. The woman folly is loud. She is seductive and knows nothing. She sits at the door of her house. She takes a seat on the highest places of the town, calling to those who pass by, who are going straight on their way. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. And to him who lacks sense, she says, stolen water is sweet, and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. But he does not know that the dead are there, that her guests are in the depths of Sheol. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Uh, the title uh, that I've given the sermon is, Whose Feast Are You Going To? Here uh, at the very end of chapter 9, which is wrapping up the first half of the book of Proverbs, uh, the father or the teacher is writing to their children, to their students, uh, trying to teach them uh, what is the basis of wisdom, that the beginning of all wisdom is in the fear of the Lord. And he's wrapping up this, this teaching on wisdom by comparing these two different feasts. The Feast of Lady Wisdom, which Ravi preached on two weeks ago, and now wrapping up with the Feast of Lady Folly. And he wants his students and his children to know that in life, we face invitations from both of them. And in many ways, they look very similar. So I'd like to start us off with this question. Why do we struggle to choose godly wisdom which leads to life, over worldly wisdom, which leads to death. Uh, a couple months back, I was visiting my in-laws, and uh, my mother-in-law in her kitchen had this basket of uh, like decorative fruit. And uh, not being as familiar with their home, I woke up one morning and was going down to get some breakfast, and you know, I like to have a little fruit with my cereal as well. And I saw what looked like a delicious apple, and I went to go grab it, and you know, the minute I grabbed it, I was like, that feels weird, right? That's not, that's not how an apple feels. And it took me a moment to realize, oh, this isn't, this isn't even real fruit, right? This is a fake apple. It's just for show. You know, many times, uh, we see that the, the invitation of Lady Wisdom and the invitation of Lady Folly uh, to a feast sound very similar. They, they appeal to us in similar ways. And what the, the father and the teacher want their children and their students to know and to grow in is discernment. The kind of the final lesson in wisdom is that we need to learn how to discern between what is truly wise and what is truly foolish. The key truth I want us to think about as we go through this is that our Heavenly Father is teaching us how to discern between the call of Lady Wisdom and Lady Folly, so that we would grow in resisting the seductive allure of sin and embrace with joy the feast of God's wisdom in Christ, which leads to life. To learn how to discern, there's something important that needs to happen. We need to be taught the strategies of Lady Folly, and we need to recognize the superior joy found in Lady Wisdom. 
You know, any good uh, you know, football team uh, wants to study what the other team is going to do, right? Any good uh, you know, soldier wants to know the tactics and the strategies of their enemy so that they can overcome it, right? That they train uh, to protect themselves, but they also train by studying the ways that the enemy might try to get the best of them. And in the same way, the teacher is saying, students, you need to know and you need to learn how to discern the strategies of sin, the strategies of Lady Folly who calls out for you. So we're going to look at that in two ways. The first way is that folly and sin competes with the wisdom of God for our attention. We see here uh, this comparison in chapter 9 of Lady Wisdom and Lady Folly, both inviting people to a feast. And uh, you see here very clearly, right, in verses 15 and 16, it says, Lady Folly is calling to those who pass by, who are going straight on their way. Whoever is simple, let them turn in here. She also calls out to those who lack sense. If that sounds familiar at all, uh, that's because it's almost word for word exactly how Lady Wisdom, earlier in chapter 9, uh, in verses 4 and 5 and 6, right, call out to people as well. That both Lady Folly and Lady Wisdom are trying to invite us in. That they are competing for our attention. They both want us to come to a type of feast, and they're both going out to the high places and calling out to the simple. And the first thing I want you to observe in seeing this comparison between the two uh, is that both of them are trying to seek us out, meaning that we cannot hide from the calls of Lady Folly. Right? We cannot shield ourselves and our families enough uh, to completely block out right, the temptations of sin. Right? I would love it if we lived in a perfect world in which I didn't have to worry about uh, myself or my children or other church members ever having to face temptations. But the reality is uh, we don't live in that world, right? We live in a world that is still broken by sin. That the, the mistake that the monks made in, you know, the Middle Ages was to think that, you know, if we move away from the cities where there's all this sin and we close ourselves off, right, that, that godliness will just flourish here. But the thing that they, they're forgetting is that sin comes from within us, right? That our own hearts often yearn for the temptations of Lady Folly, right? That there's no place we can go to get away from that. And that's not to say that we need to just give in to it. Absolutely not. But it's to say we need wisdom and discernment to realize the strategies of Lady Folly calling out to us and to learn to turn to Christ and resist those temptations. It reminds me so much of uh, that famous Greek story of Odysseus uh, and his men. Remember, they're, they're trying to sail back home after the Battle of Troy, and they come near this island uh, where these uh, creatures are called the Sirens. And they're, they're famous for singing this very beautiful song that kind of draws people in. But the reality is that the Sirens, even though uh, they're very tempting and they sing this beautiful song and people can't resist them, when the sailors come close, they always end up crashing against the rocks and drowning. That the sirens offer uh, this beautiful tempting thing, but it always leads to destruction. And so when Odysseus and his men hear 
that they're going to go near the Sirens Island. They wonder, like, well, can we go around it? You know, is there a way to bypass it? And they realize they have to face it. They have to go past the island. They cannot avoid going past this temptation. But most importantly, they say, all right, then we need to think. We need to use our wisdom to find a way to resist it. And so let me ask this question. How do sin and folly often mask themselves as wisdom and goodness? That's an interesting question, right? I mean, we often wish that sin was somewhat more blatant, right? Uh, that like maybe people walked around with a billboard saying like, I'm trying to deceive you. <laughs> and yet, right, we often uh, mask ourselves in the appearance of legitimacy and goodness and wisdom, right? when really there are often wicked purposes behind it. And sometimes an example of, uh, you know, sin and folly masking itself as wisdom and goodness might be something kind of small and almost silly. Think of like a you know, horoscopes or like fortune cookies, right? They're trying to sell you on this kind of wisdom, right? That, you know, everything's going to work out great for you if you just wear the color red or something. But we ultimately know that this wisdom is so uh, faulty and foolish and really based on nothing. Or what about sometimes uh, silly folk remedies? You know, if you just like rub enough oregano on your body, then you'll never have, you know, anxiety or depression again. <laughs> It's kind of, where do people get these ideas that this is wisdom? And yet many times we buy into these things. But what about the more uh, acceptable forms of worldly wisdom that we can easily fall victim to? What about uh, workaholism, right? Thinking if we, just, if we just strived a little bit more, if we just hustled a little bit harder, you know, if we just worked a little bit harder, then, then we can build something great. A friend of mine who's a musician, musician posted on Facebook recently, uh, I'm trying to work out uh, when to give 300% more to make this song 5% better. <laughs> He's saying, like, is it really worth it <laughs> to give all of this time and energy uh, just to make the music I'm trying to make just slightly better? And sometimes we justify it with perfectly good reasons. I'm working so hard and giving so much of my time and energy to work because I'm doing it for my children. I'm doing it for my family. And that's why I'm spending no time with them at all. I find myself often falling into that trap. If I just worked harder, then maybe it would all come out perfectly. Or what about the wisdom that many of these political ads that we've just been saturated with recently uh, try to offer, right? They play on our fears. Every politician tries to set themselves up as wiser than the other person uh, and trying to make you be afraid of what that other person will do. They want us to obsess and worry about uh, the, the election and things like that. And yeah, are there very important issues going on? For sure. Right? But how is your obsessing and worrying going to fix it? How is your obsessing and worrying going to change it? Are you finding your hope in the wisdom of God? Finally, uh, Lady Folly often tries to offer us uh, shortcuts on things. And I actually uh, tried to kind of pitch this to our youth group the other week. I asked them, like, why do you think we're often slow 
to hear the call of Lady Wisdom instead of the call of Lady Folly. And uh, our, our kids in our youth group are much wiser than maybe we give them credit. They say, well, you know, sometimes uh, I think we, we assume that the way of Lady Wisdom is going to be like hard work, right? That following Jesus is all sacrifice and no fun. And that Lady Wisdom offers an easier, more fun path. She offers a shortcut. And that's probably why she's more tempting. I mean, think about when the Israelites uh, were coming up to the promised land, right? God had brought them out of slavery in Egypt. He had brought them all the way to the border and the spies went in. They said, man, this land is rich and great. God is really going to bless us there. But all we have to do is we got we to gotta fight these guys and the Lord will be with us, right? He will bring us into the land. But the Israelites said, no way. <laughs> like, no, I refuse to take one more step. I refuse to go fight those men, right? I would rather be a slave in Egypt again than have to take this one more step, right? They were saying there's got to be like an easier way, a shortcut than having to, to work hard one more time or sacrifice one more time. God can't seriously be asking that of us. And you got to imagine God is kind of like so frustrated with his people saying, like, did I not totally crush Pharaoh and his army, like the greatest army in the world at that time? Do you not think that I can defeat these Canaanites and bring you into the land? Is there not a feast in the land waiting for you if you would just trust me this one more step? So many times we fall victim to Lady Folly because she's masked herself as wisdom as goodness. She's masked herself as a shortcut, an easier, a more fun or entertaining path. And we see that Satan loves to come as an angel of light with just the right amount of respectability or wisdom to draw us in. Like the siren song to Odysseus and his sailors, it sounds beautiful, but it's really leading us to crash against the rocks. Folly has no plan for your life. Lady Folly is described in verse 13 as, as loud and seductive, but it very clearly says she knows nothing. Lady Folly is empty, vapid. Like Psalm 1 says, she's like the trees that are passing away into chaff in the wind. No roots, no substance at all. We see here that the father wants his children and his students to know that they need to grow in discernment. That true wisdom is seeing Lady Folly for what she really is, recognizing where she wants to take us, and it's nowhere good. Listen to this quote by George Lawson from his exposition on the book of Proverbs. Wisdom and folly do each spread a feast for men. The question is, Whose guests shall we be? And did we possess any wisdom or any true and well-directed self-love? It might be easily decided. The entertainments of wisdom are soul-quickening provision. They that hear her calls shall eat that which is good, and their souls shall live forever. The guests of wisdom are in the heights of heaven. They feast on the hidden manna and on the fruits of the tree of life. The provisions of the foolish woman are deadly though perhaps a slow poison. He's saying, look, if we really realize just how wonderful the feast that Lady Wisdom was inviting us to, then 
Of course we would take her invitation and completely reject Lady Follies. But it's because we live in a broken world and we are often broken by sin that we would rather follow the invitation of Lady Folly, that we'd feast on the slow poison which ultimately leads us to death. That brings us to our second point, which is that folly offers false delights that lead to death. Look at verses 17 and 18 as the father wraps up his lesson to his children. He's describing Lady Folly, and it says, she's speaking, and to him who lacks sense, she says, stolen water is sweet, and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. But he does not know that the dead are there, that her guests are in the depths of Sheol. The father's describing uh, the feast that Lady Folly is inviting us into, and it shows that it's really no feast at all. all right, it's offering so much, but it ultimately gives so little. So let's think about this question as we examine that a further. Which sins are most tempting to you, and why these in particular? If we're honest, we recognize that the sins that tempt us most are the ones that we think will give us the most fulfillment and delight and life that we long for. Right? None of us sit down and think, I'm going to sin because I want to see evil grow in the world. No. No, we sin because we think it will give us what we think we truly need. Think of Adam and Eve in the garden, right? The certain thing comes to them and it says, you know, don't you want to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? It'll make you like God. And Adam and Eve are like, yeah, I'd like to be like God. But you see how he's twisted the reality that they were already like God because they were made in his image. He's offering them uh, something that they think they need because ultimately they're being manipulated and twisted into thinking they don't already have all the riches of God in Christ. But that's what Lady Folly is offering us, this empty feast, this empty meal. And it's almost ridiculous the more that you think about uh, what she's offering here in verse 17. She's saying, come and uh, stolen water is sweet, and the bread eaten in secret is pleasant. She say, oh, wouldn't it be great to have to like, you know, sneak out to the well in the middle of the night, you know, and just like just enough in a cup, you know, before the guards come and kick us out. Oh, isn't it so sweet to drink that water? Oh, isn't it great to like eat the crumbs of bread, you know, like in a secret basement because, you know, we're afraid that we're going to get caught or in trouble. Oh, isn't it great to live that kind of life? The life of a criminal, always on the run, always worried about getting caught. Isn't it great to have to steal just to survive? I mean, when we hear that, we're like, yeah, who would want to live that life? She's extolling the merits of eating in secret instead of enjoying a feast with Lady Wisdom in your own home with friends and family with plenty to eat. It's ridiculous to want to have that kind of life. And yet that's exactly the empty feast that Lady Folly is offering. She's offering false delights. She cannot fulfill what she is trying to sell us. The sad truth is that the simple hear this and they follow her. The simple join this feast of nefarious gain, a feast of stolen water and breadcrumbs. 
What does the Father want us to learn from this? Well, he wants us as children to learn, ultimately, right, that we are the simple ones, that we are the ones who lack sense. He wants his children to recognize that when he's trying to teach them wisdom, it's because he doesn't want them to fall victim to Lady Folly. He doesn't want them to hear her invitation and be scammed into a life that ultimately leads to death. No, his concern is for his children that they would actually take hold of what is truly a delight, that they would go to a real feast. The sad news is we often fall for this ruse. We listen to Lady Folly when we let our temptations guide our paths instead of the wisdom of God in Christ, that we ultimately become part of the feast when we follow Lady Folly. We see it ends here in verse 18 by saying that those who are invited to the feast do not know that the dead are there and that her guests are in the depths of Sheol. Saying, look, the end of Lady Folly's path is that you too (laughs) would become part of the feast. That she's inviting you to a feast, but it's not so that you can eat, but that you will be consumed by death itself. That you will be Uh, swallowed up by the appetites of Sheol, which is the Old Testament way of saying hell. That we become the meal instead of taking part in a wonderful meal. Brothers and sisters, our Heavenly Father wants us to grow in discernment so we don't follow this path, so we don't try to join this feast and ultimately, like Odysseus and the sailors, crash against the rocks and perish. No, our Heavenly Father wants us to have life. He wants us to join the feast that He's offering us in Christ. Listen to this quote from Kenneth Aiken on his book on Proverbs. The option of dining at the table of Lady Wisdom or Dame Folly and eating the food of life or death depends finally and most fully upon a person's response to God. That is the fundamental decisive factor None who reject the fear of God can walk too far in the way of wisdom, for that rejection is itself the greatest and the ultimate folly. He's saying, look, if if you want to pursue Lady Wisdom, if you want to hear her invitation and enjoy the feast that she's offering, then you need to build your life on the wisdom that comes from the fear of the Lord, that you're not going to go very far on that path without it. That that is the basis of all wisdom, that relationship we have with our Heavenly Father. And so let me ask this question as we wrap up. How is your knowledge of God and Christ helping you to reduce the seductive allure of sin? Right? How are you feasting on Christ to help you persevere on the path to the final feast, the, the, the feast of the bridegroom of the Lamb? How are you feasting on Christ so that you would reject the false feast and false delights that Lady Folly often tries to offer us and sell us on? We see throughout the scriptures, right, that Christ is the embodiment of wisdom itself. Colossians says that all the wisdom of God is there in Christ, that he is the better treasure that we long for, the greater delight that we yearn for the better wisdom than any wisdom the world tries to sell us on. 
And finally, he's the better feast. Think about Jesus' first miracle. He goes to a wedding, and when they're all out of wine and all they have left is water, Jesus turns that water into wine, this symbol of, of feasting and celebrating. That Jesus is saying, this is what I'm ultimately calling us to, that I know you face temptations, very real temptations here and now, that, that offer to fulfill your longing, but I am offering a better feast, and a feast that's not going to end. It's based on the very person and work of God himself through his son, Jesus Christ. Think about communion, something I, I know we are longing to do again together. Communion is this feasting on the wisdom of God, that he would send his son to become the bread broken for us, to become the wine spilled out for us, right? In Jesus' body and blood, right? He is giving us this, this taste of the feast for the ultimate feast we'll have in heaven one day. And while we get to feast on Christ, Christ actually goes down to the feast of Lady Folly. He goes down to death on our behalf, right? He eats the, the bitter food and drinks the bitter cup that we should have, that we deserved. He eats that so then we can have a greater, a more delicious feast in Christ. The Father wants His children to grow in discernment, to grow in what is truly good and what is truly evil, right? What is truly wise and what is truly foolish. And as He's telling us about Lady Folly, we really see that it's, it's no comparison at all, right? If we had to compare the Feast of Lady Wisdom and Lady Folly, who would ever want to pursue the Feast of Lady Folly? It offers fake treasures, false wisdom, and empty food. It may look beautiful like a decorative apple, but if you bit into it, there'd be nothing inside. Like the story of Odysseus, we too would be dashed against the rocks of folly if it were not for God coming down and giving us His wisdom. Brothers and sisters, recognize that, that we are the simple ones, <laughs> that we need God's wisdom in Christ to teach us where He really wants us to go to open our eyes to the greater feast that we have in Him, a feast that will never spoil, perish, or fade, that's kept in heaven for you. The wisdom that ultimately leads to salvation. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you have invited us to a great feast. Lord, that you've been faithful to your people. Lord, that we can feed on Christ every day. Lord, as we feed on him, grow us and mature us and develop us in wisdom and discernment, that we would say no to the false delights that the world offers, that we'd have discernment to navigate the false wisdom that often comes our way. Lord, that we would be faithful and persevere in your grace. We pray all this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.